Walk Back the Line podcast for newcomers to this program. It is a place where we bring together the world's leading experts on all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. Today's beautiful guest was Dr. Joel Kahn. Dr. Khan is a cardiologist, uh, a author. He wrote The Plant-Based Solution. He wrote Young at Heart by Design, all sorts of different books, actually. Um, He's been featured in Dr. Phil and The Today Show on Joe Rogan's podcast and uh, The Doctors. Doctor, He's been all over the place. And uh, we recorded this conversation here in my sauna, Santa Monica. It's very fun. We get into um, heart health, obviously. We get into veganism, which I uh, am interested in, but I'm not presently a proponent of. I'm not a detractor from it either. Uh, it's just not my present eating lifestyle. But we're uh, a really interesting conversation. We get into much more than just nutrition. We get into a lot of like mind-body stuff in relation to heart health and really fun conversation. So I hope you guys love it. And uh, thank you so much for leaving reviews on this podcast. If you do, we will potentially read it. So I'm going to read one right now. Uh, this is from Jilly Q. This podcast is the bomb, she says. Uh, I'm not sure it's a she. All humans will benefit from listening to this podcast. It is full of easy-to-implement techniques to greatly improve your life. I love the different guests that Aaron hosts and interesting conversations they have. I also really enjoy hearing about the research that backs up all of that interesting information. And she put a bunch of heart emojis. I appreciate that. Emojis are powerful. Uh, So I appreciate y'all's support. I appreciate you telling friends about this, subscribing, uh, sharing, all those things. It's very, very very helpful. And um, final thing, I appreciate y'all grabbing the Align Method book, which has been out for a few weeks now. It's been number one bestseller on Amazon. And uh, people have been really loving that thing. Appreciate reviews for that, obviously, as well. And uh, if you enjoy the Align Method book, send me your favorite page or technique or anything like that on Instagram at Align podcast tag me and i will repost that thing um all right i think we are good thank you so much for tuning in here we go back to the program with dr joel Kahn. thanks for making time to do this man i really appreciate it yeah i make it time to do it i didn't know i was freezing my ass off to do it but it was all good all right so how was your experience with all that how was your experience with like it we, we breathed then we, is that how you say breathe in the past tense? Uh, we breathed. We breathed. breathed. We breathe. Grammar is not my strong suit. It's like sheep. Yeah, that's all right. <clears throat> but uh, I'll say for all you Midwesterners where I come from, yeah. you get in the ice, you do the breathing, you get hot. This is good. This so is you, what LA is all about. So you hadn't done the, the breath stuff before. I had not. I mean, I'm a yoga guy, a lot of pranayama breathing. I meditate. But I, I of course, know Wim Hof who can avoid, you know, not knowing. Of, I just had not. There's only so many things you can master, particularly when I got a 60-hour-a-week career that keeps me going. So you're, it's not you're, to you're denigrate kind of, anybody that doesn't have a 60-hour-a-week main career. We're all working hard. So you're not like these bullshit podcast people that are just talking about stuff. You're like opening hearts up and things. Yeah, I'm a real doc. I went uh 1990. I started a career as a... You had a heart attack. I had a balloon and stent for you at two in the morning or three in the afternoon. Didn't matter. I mean, I treated thousands of people. So real hardcore university and community hospital cardiologist. But about eight years ago, I went rogue and said, you know, this has been awesome. I mean, it was awesome. There's countless people walking the earth that I have uh, benefited and uh, very few that I'd say I haven't. But 
I just, you know, it, we can talk about it, but this idea that you wait till you're falling apart and almost dead is when the doctor team, hospital team swoops in to help you. Yeah. It's amazing, but it's totally wrong, and everything should be upstream, upstream. So I only do what I think I'm the only guy called upstream cardiology. I mean, I want to catch you 10 years. I catch people so early in the disease. And, you know, we identify what's going on, and we correct it. So, But the point is, I see people every week all over, and it's great. Love it. It's the most gratifying thing I do. Yeah. Uh, craziest stories from people with pathologic thinking. I can't break them with bad habits. I, I, the funniest one, I'll just share it because because of my patient of mine I got now. He won't stop smoking, about 60-year-old man. Why won't you stop smoking? He goes, well, where was I on the day that the Twin Towers went down? I said, I don't know. I was just meeting you. He goes, well, I was in the Twin Towers, and I went out for a break to smoke at 840. Five minutes later, the first plane hit. If I wasn't a smoker, I would have died. I was on the 96th floor. Mm. You know, you meet people like that, and you know, and you got to deal with that, and you got to deal with food insecurities, and you got to deal with you know, childhood trauma. You can't believe how much of my cardiology tra- practice I talk about childhood trauma because why are they why are they killing themselves? So anyways, it's a... It's a phenomenal, fun thing to do, but it just doesn't leave me enough time to jump in ice pass enough, apparently. Yeah. So one of the, I mean, there was a few reasons I was really excited to have you on. One, you just seem like a, a really great human being, like upon getting to Thank you, sir. study your stuff. I really, yeah, no. I really enjoy it. Thank you. Um, but uh, most of the people that I have on here are in large parts in like from the ancestral health perspective. Right. And we talk about bone broth and butter and all that. Um, but then I have all these great friends that we mentioned before, Nimai Delgado and Andrew Seeley and these people in like the yoga world and bodybuilding world. Right. They're like these jacked, superhuman, stretchy, right. amazing people. And right. they kind of, uh, you know, well, they're not drinking bone broth. Yeah. You know, so I wonder. Well, I, you know, I and I have never hesitated. I mentioned it briefly off camera. I, I've been on some weird podcasts for a guy, my bio in two seconds as I stopped eating animal products at age 18, 42 years ago. So I have, I didn't use the word vegan. I still don't use it much, but my last burger, chicken, fish, and everything else was 42 years ago. But, but I'm a doctor. I care about the environment. I'm a kind person. The bottom line is we're all on the same team largely because the enemy isn't the way you eat or the way uh, your buddies eat or the way that uh, Nima eats. The enemy is, you know, the large process crap that we can't seem to really break the system. We may we may turn cow meat to pea protein meat and make it in a factory and improve the world, and I think we will. But we haven't really broken the juggernaut of people eating garbage processed junk, and we're on the same team there. So whether I've been on carnivore podcasts or been, I'm probably the only vegan cardiologist ever to speak of paleo FX. You know, yeah. it's kinda, I haven't been to ancestral health, but yeah, these are people. These are give me. You're, these are great people and. We should recognize the similarities, and you know, I try and stay true. My, you know, there is some science about nutrition, cardiovascular disease that I try and stay true to because we have so little good nutrition yeah. science. But uh, I don't flush it. But God knows, as I say, you know, uh, junk eaters need to pay attention to this whole spectrum and pick somebody that's upgraded from where they're at, and that's a good first step. Yeah. So, what are some of the the main points that meat eater folks point out for you like oh you're not going to get b12 or you're not going to get right creatine or you're not going to get there's like a, a list of different things that are you find more ubiquitously in meat yeah you know without a doubt number one we we don't know the perfect diet we i think you have to give credit to the human body and you can go from people that apparently are eating meat only and the carnivore diet movement of which i've you know had uh connections to and 
podcast with and uh, lecturing with uh, Sean Baker, MD, out of Albuquerque and all. Um, and yet these human bodies seem to be thriving. I mean, it's remarkable. Not as much science that you can really point to much biomarker or anything else, but people are say they're feeling good too. You know, meat-heavy diets, and obviously you can thrive pretty well for some amount of time eating nothing but processed junk, which is the saddest deal. Um, so there is no perfect diet, and I, but I don't necessarily agree that we all couldn't thrive on one diet. I mean, I don't know what that diet is. Could we all thrive? If we had nothing but plant-based whole food, properly balanced, could we all thrive? You know, there are authentic food allergies, but uh, given that aside, um, what, vegans... Absolutely, and I lecture on this all the time, need to be aware that there are potential pitfalls um, in a couple nutrients, and they come out of relatively modest but scientific studies. You're always way up on vitamin C and magnesium and fiber and polyphenols and carotenoids if you're eating plants. But you're going to be, you're going to want to consider if you're getting enough vitamin D. Mushrooms are a decent source, and some of the fortified plant milks are decent. But, you know, but anytime I say that, I measure extensive vitamin levels in my patients. I mean, vitamin D is widespread deficient in America in general, so it could be the, the standard person on the street is vitamin D deficient as often as the vegan. But vegans, vegans need to be very, obviously, attuned to B12. The solutions are simple, but they need to be attuned. Yeah. I think we have a few years. The day somebody transitions from an omnivore diet to vegan, they usually have a couple of years of stores of B12 in there in their body, so it's not like an instant threat, but it's a long-term concern. Hmm. Um, Omega-3 is my platform. Omega-3, which, again, it's a blood test. We don't have to guess at these things. There's a simple blood test that's done at almost every major lab. And, you know, my omnivores are omega-3 deficient. My vegans are omega-3 deficient. Uh, If I have somebody eating salmon six days a week, they usually are high in mercury in their blood, which is another thing I check. It's like an evil balance in 2019. Yeah, you got a great omega-3 level. Even worse with bigger oceanic fish like tuna. Yeah, yeah, exactly, for sure. Um, You know, but they won't get much omega-3 from tuna. So even if they're eating salmon, because they kind of figured out that it's a good animal-based source of omega-3 there's a downside some of them tony robbins thing was swordfish yeah was swordfish was Achilles yeah, heel it was clearly and you know the big uh sushi eaters are often high in mercury i can't figure it out because i work i have an office in a relatively comfortable area of suburban detroit and you know people are buying in good places and the mercury i'm telling you i see insane mercury levels and i see them only truly in uh non-vegans pretty high percentage of vegans in my practice those are the big three b12 d and omega-3 uh, iodine is a consideration in vegans it's also a consideration in others unless you're doing morton salt or some seaweed or some um you know kelp uh, all of these can be solved with simple uh supplements and more and more there are actually single source supplements that evolve together selenium eat a brazil nut a day you're going to get the selenium you need mm. in fact brazil nuts are the highest source in the whole food world let alone plant-based food world but how many people are eating a brazil nut a day not not too many are focused on that um you get past that there's not much so you mentioned like creatine and you know and i think your listeners know this proteins amino acids it's the same amino acids in plant and meat the proportions may be different but it's the same soy has uh you know every single amino acid essential and non-essential if people eat tempeh or edamame they're never going to be concerned about you know any imbalance it doesn't really exist as we know it that protein deficiency amongst vegans again in my course 42 years of eating that way is really a concern unless you're doing a bizarre thing an all fruit diet or uh 
extremely processed junk diet, but anybody doing that is at risk of nutritional deficiencies. Bottom line is it's a topic that needs to be brought up. I think it should be brought up with all groups that are being spoken to, plant-based or non-plant-based, that, you know, either supplement or get blood tests for at least some of the bigger ones. You know, the one that just came up, I don't want to dominate the conversation because you ask good questions. A um, epidemiologist uh, published an article about five weeks ago in the British Medical Journal. The future of English kids is stupidity because these darn plant-based meals are going to leave them choline deficient. Mm. Choline is richly sourced in egg yolk. Choline is involved in brain membrane function and development. Um, it was more of a theoretical that if we keep converting from meat, and it's really an egg thing, but there are, of course, now substitute eggs that are getting a little bit more popular in the markets and in the restaurants. But if we keep this conversion to uh, plant-based foods, we may be choline deficient. It was a theory. It got headlines. These things always get headlines. It turns out she has uh, been funded by egg boards and meat boards, and so have so many nutrition researchers, you can't throw them all out, but you wonder... Um, and it turns out I had to do my research. Uh, if you eat dry-roasted soy nuts, you can buy those little packs. And again, not everybody will eat soy, but dry-roasted soy nuts are a relatively friendly little snack. They are the second highest source of soy, pretty much on par with any other animal product. But so choline came up recently. But again, in clinical practice, you never define a choline-deficient vegan. I mean, partly it's hard. You can't check everything. So... Uh, I take a I take a multi-mineral, multi-vitamin supplement made for vegans. It's got algae, omega-3, D. Uh, it's got K2. K2 is one that we all should. I'm in, I'm in L.A. this week because I did a TV show talking about vitamin K2, which promotes better bone health and teeth health and uh, improves cardiovascular flexibility and youthfulness. So anyways, vitamin K2 is in that multivite. There's some iodine. Some selenium, so it's like a one-stop solution. And then that's the let's talk about what are the benefits. Those are the downsides. I mean, I'd love to talk about the downsides. I'd rather people be healthier, whether they're vegan, non-vegan. Yeah. Just I, fill the gaps. I think it's like like kind of talking about sexuality with teenagers. You know, I think it's it's like it's it's more important that you're having safe sex. It's more important that you're having safe drug use. It's more important right. that you're having safe veganism. Yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> like, let's well, have I a think coverage, it's a I'm fair sure. conversation. And really, to be fair, though. <laughs> The nutritional deficiencies in the general public. I mean, let's talk about safe nutrition as a broad concept. Of course. I I don't know, and there have been many studies, would the health of America go up if everybody just took a modest supplement of some of the same things I just mentioned? I mean, selenium is an incredible antioxidant. What would the the stocking stocking stuffer, vegan Christmas fill in all of the potential nutritional gaps? Like what would the the five bullet points be that every every person should and, and maybe there aren't any nutritional gaps with the common vegan, but oftentimes something that I see or I've heard from people right. that were vegan for a while and then all of a sudden started eat, introducing fish or something right. like that in their diet, um, they notice like a, a you know a, a shift and like more energy or this and that. Right. What would what would be like the top five bullet points of like I see people missing this. Um, if you're talking about actually measuring, which is what I do in practice, it'd yeah. be. D omega three rarely B twelve. I mean, it certainly okay. is an issue, but I rarely actually diagnose people. I more often diagnose B twelve deficiency when somebody just comes new to the office. They're not a plant based eater. They're just low. I mean, that exists in American public quite yeah. frequently. There is a recommendation: everybody over age fifty in America should take a B twelve supplement. It's not a vegan recommendation, so that's how frequent it is. That's how important it is to brain health. 
but it would be my my stocking stuffer would be you know here's five it'd be d b12 omega-3 probably selenium and iodine okay six k2 i love k2 i mean as a cardiovascular specialist it's hard to get k2 comes in certain meats certain cheeses it's in natto soybean paste right. that's a japanese delicacy that tastes like crud if I can get in a nice bath, I can eat natto without doubt. I usually don't eat it. I, I like, probably I'd I like, like to natto. get back in. Well, you know, you I'm into know, weird shit. I'd like to eat natto <laughs> in a nice bath. I think that would be the next step. Of, uh, what happens with a, with a person that um, takes meat out of their diet for a while? Does their um, does their microbiome start to shift, and the enzymes do they start to lack the enzymatic ability to break down certain? Certain foods? Yeah, or is it, that... it changes real quick. I mean, one of the most famous studies, you may not know this, uh, you might. Uh, I think about 2017, a group in Pittsburgh at the university, Stephen O'Keefe, a uh, good researcher, took, it's not exactly vegan, but took uh, 20 people living in Atlanta, but in really urban inner city area, their diet, and took 20 people living in South Africa, living in a very rural area, eating very shrub kind of food. Mm did microbiome measurements, did metabolic measurements in their blood, dietary assessments, and then they switched the diet. They actually gave the inner-city diet to the South Africans, and they measured everything again in two weeks. It was absolutely unbelievable how quickly metabolic measures and the microbiome shifts, and it's probably quicker than two weeks, but within two weeks, totally different populations. Truly, it was more of a plant-based whole food diet that was the uh, rural South African diet, the, the profile, and it was, these are like incredibly advanced measurements with hundreds of uh, points in the stool and in the blood, were more favorable. The organism called Prevotella that's associated with uh, heavy plant eating was you know dramatically higher all of a sudden in the Atlanta people. Studied at Pittsburgh, but Atlanta people. So it shifts quick. You know, there's a metabolite that brings on some controversy when people talk about it. In 2011, the Cleveland Clinic identified a new molecule to most people called TMAO, trimethylamine N-oxide. Yeah. And um, they developed the method to measure it in the blood, and they developed a lab called Cleveland Heart Lab, now owned by Quest, is the only lab that actually allows you to measure TMAO levels in humans. And then they did, you know, the last eight years of science, that not everybody agrees, but 99% of scientists agrees that it's L-carnitine in red meat and it's the choline in egg yolk with your microbiome, and nobody knows exactly the, um, the, the species that converts carnitine and choline to TMA across the border of the gastrointestinal tract, trimethylamine, and then um, the liver converts it to TMAO in the blood, and TMAO accelerates atherosclerosis, accelerates kidney scarring, is a very adverse blood marker to have elevated if you're just general public or a heart attack or kidney disease or diabetic. There's about 1,500 studies on TMAO in the last eight years, many of them in humans. I've drawn thousands and thousands of blood levels on patients with TMAO. And if they're super high, they're either a massive meat or egg eater or they're taking supplements with choline carnitine. And in my group of patients with heart disease, I, I am concerned based on the science, and I try and get it down by either stopping that supplement or altering their diet. And it, a couple weeks later, that's an indirect way to answer the question. A couple weeks later, they're not making TMAO anymore. Hmm. The classic Cleveland Clinic study was, let's take eight vegans. It was not a big study. It was just done well. Let's feed them one eight-ounce steak. They would not make TMAO. Their microbiome can't convert if they've been vegan you know, months to years. They can't convert carnitine to TMA. 
Uh, whereas the omnivores, they took people from Cleveland, just standard uh, volunteers, and they immediately made uh, TMA and TMAO. So it's a cute little metabolic marker. It tells us how quick the microbiome changes. The controversy that's brought up by non-plant eaters, and it's really, it's science. It's not a plant versus non-plant. we got to figure out if it's really meaningful and if it's going to be a target for a, either a, a, a nutraceutical or for a pharmacologic agent, of which there isn't one right now. You can alter it by stopping the supplement or changing the diet or ignoring it. But there are certain deep water fish, and only a few, that use TMAO for buoyancy. So their tissue has TMAO in it. Most fish people are eating, uh, a piece of whitefish doesn't have TMAO, but if you get a really deep water fish, it's a cool little ancient system to to mm. allow those fish to, to actually still float at unbelievably high pressure deep underwater. So the argument comes up, we consider fish to be a cardiovascularly healthy food. If fish have preformed TMAO that raises your blood level, how can you possibly have a theory that TMAO is bad for you? And there's not enough data to completely answer it. Um, it is number one only a few species of fish. Two, your blood level goes up and down briefly, but if you're eating meat and eggs regularly, it stays up long-term. So there's differences in it. Um, your microbiome shifts quickly. Is there a downside to a plant-based microbiome? I mean, you know, you got all that good fiber. And, you know, you can eat paleo and keto and have lots of fiber in your diet with the leafy not so much greens there, and berries. Uh, not so much is there a downside, but does the biome change so that it's almost a, could potentially be a challenging uh, readjustment to go back into eating a, you know, a ribeye yeah. or something? Yeah, it'll go back. Now, I, to answer your original point, or at least discuss it, I, I clearly, look at, I honor people are people. I mean, people feel good on a plant-based diet and have so many in my practice have had, really not being spiritual, but have had revolutionary advancements in their health. They come to me, I, I lost 40 pounds in the last, you know, seven weeks because I watched one video, read one book, made these changes. Uh, my blood pressure medicine, blood sugar medicine, you know, my energy, whatever it is. What do you do with the people that don't thrive and feel better when they go back? And sure, I know there's those people. There's yep. a Facebook group of, you know, former vegans. It's not yep. massive. It's a couple thousand people. The vegetarian myth. Yeah. Were they doing it wrong? Were they not supplementing? Did they not have lab work? Could they have done better with more ground flaxseed or more hemp? You know, we'll never know. Nobody's really tackled that as a study project. And that gets to the point. If we had an island and only one menu and it was a whole food plant-based with a great chef, would everybody feel good, you know, isolated on their diet? And I don't think we know the answer to that. Most of us suspect Anybody could thrive. Let's say this. We believe anybody can thrive. You know, I'm a 40-plus-year whole food plant-based eater. Uh, there's people that exceed me. The word was coined in 1944, so there have been some people, you know, in excess of 70 years on this earth that have been doing it. Yeah. But what do you do with the fall-offs? Did they do it wrong, or is it there is such variability in our epigenetic and, you know, enzyme uh, capacities that some people just aren't made to, you know, convert uh, ALA to omega-3 and they don't feel good even, you know, even if they take supplements. Want to take a minute and present y'all with a beautiful opportunity of winning a month's supply of delicious supplements from Organifi. Organifi is a tremendous company. They are USDA organic. They are gluten-free. They're soy-free. They're dairy-free. And in relation to this episode, they happen to be vegan as well. Um, and uh, some of my favorite supplements around, ranging from various different protein powders, uh, all, again, vegan versions of those. And uh, I'm holding my hands right now, something I really enjoy 
It's called the turmeric and reishi infused gold blend. It's a gently dried superfood tea that has a whole abundance of different adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms and it's got turmeric and it's got magnesium and all things to help your body downregulate and calm the freak down while helping with inflammation and uh, things of the sort. So you have an opportunity to win a month's supply of any supplements you want from these guys just by posting yourself doing some hanging, which is a principle in the Align Method book. And all you gotta do is post yourself hanging, tag me, tag Organifi, and then three of your friends, have three of your friends do this challenge as well. And then on the 31st, we will be picking a winner and uh, you'll get yourself a month's supply of Organifi. There is a good statistical chance that you will win this thing. So I would jump in there, tag a line podcast, LIGM podcast, Organifi, three of your friends, and uh, let's get y'all's shoulders hanging. It's a very helpful thing. If you spend just a minute and a half hanging each day in total is the recommendation in the book. Uh, it has been shown to help with shoulder pain, opening up shoulder impingement, and things of the sort. So really helpful stuff, regardless of whether you win or not, but there's a good chance you will. Uh, if you just want to grab some Organifi products, such as this delicious gold turmeric and reishi blend that I'm holding right now, uh, great for a little before bed tea type setup. Uh, you can go to Organifi.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com, and then you can use the Align code and you will get a 15% discount on your purchase. All right. Enjoy your hanging. Enjoy your reishi infused gold. And uh, back to the podcast with Dr. Joel Kahn. With the, uh, what is the argument that, you know, there wouldn't be much of an argument that that humankind has eaten meat throughout millennia, throughout history. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what is the argument beyond processed meat, beyond cows and chickens standing on pavement pads in their own poop and right. stacked beside each other and jacked up with hormone and all that stuff? Like, you know, a venison off of a side of Maui or out, you're bow hunting, like we were talking about Peter right. T and all those guys. Um, how does that affect the body and, and where does the argument come in that that could possibly be degenerative for the body? Yeah. Um, good thoughts. Uh, and just put them together for a minute. So number one, you can say now, I mean, although, as I told you, officially the word vegan and the movement of using no animal products for your uh, diet, a uh, formally uh, consecrated in 1944, of course, there's Pythagoras 2,000 years ago was said to be vegan and some people say Leonardo da Vinci at the end of his life and maybe Michelangelo too and all but nonetheless it's not like a long but I think we can say in 2019-2020 it is possible to exist on whole food plants and thrive and um, not suffer any consequences we can determine after decades of this Um, it may take a supplement a day um, as we talked about and I won't go back there yeah uh, you know, kind of a multi-mineral, multi-vitamin supplement, and you're done. Uh, and then you go, so, okay, so that you can do that. Uh, you know, why would you do that? And we get to the, the very hot topic in the medical literature and in the press. Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry for that. Um, which is, you know, the quality and nutrition science. Because there are a lot of epidemiologic studies, cohort analysis, and... Um, you know, food frequency questionnaires. The classic is the body of data called the Adventist Health Studies. They certainly favor the idea that the population in Loma Linda around the world 
that describes themselves as vegan, has less diabetes, less cancer, less heart disease, perhaps a little longer longevity. The um, Harvard School of Public Health Studies of Doctors and Nurses followed for 32 years, 130,000 of them. There are trends in those databases and <clears throat> how much of it is uh, reverse causation and how much of it is you know, the, the nature of the questions they were asked and all the Harvard School of Public Health, they do repeat questions every four years. So people do get an opportunity to identify if they've changed their diet or their lifestyle. Not all the studies that are published, but if you take the mass of studies, um, one can say you favor the likelihood that you will <clears throat> excuse me, avoid chronic disease by eating a plant-stronger, plant-only diet. And it's usually compared to a crappy American diet. I get yeah, so that's yeah. Take a break, man. So good. So that's that's the thing is I like with all of those conversations. Uh, I th- think for listeners of this, certainly, I think we can everybody can agree that that this standard American sad diet and processed foods and Doritos and yeah. you know random hot dogs and like like we're not talking about that. We're saying you know cream of the crop meat versus cream of the crop vegetables. You know, more of of what ancestors could, which now with with soil depletion and now with, you know, where we're getting the animals from, it's it's kind of hard to have the conversation. But top notch for both sides, not talking processed McDonald's meat. I'm trying, you know, not everything has to be done in a scientific study, but it's a pretty good base if you're treating patients. Is there a study that I'm thinking of that's a really, really good ancestral diet versus a really, really good whole food plant-based diet? <clears throat> that looks at a disease condition or risk for disease. I'm not sure there is one actually. Yeah, the issue with the epidemi- epidemiological studies that I would see would be I think if a person does set the intention to have a vegetarian diet or a yeah. vegan diet, there's so much other intention in their life around that to get them to that point. Yeah, um, that's where it's like if you're a standard meat eating person, there's a good chance you haven't given any shits about your diet. Whereas if you go into the lengths of like I'm going to be a vegetarian, there's so many other steps behind that. Um, no, it, I agree with you. You know, there's there's always the environmental conversation, and many people would say in 2019 that's a crucial conversation that uh, land use and greenhouse gas and such, and you know, particularly water use. Water use for beef is insane, and it probably you're doing bow and arrow and grabbing an elk or a venison. Whether you like that idea or not to listeners, you know, that's not an issue with water use. But standard meat production, yeah. water use is crazy, uh, you know, and it's so much higher. And um, it's interesting, and I, people may not know this. So the meat industry hired a research department at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor near me about three years ago. How? What are the energy costs of producing a single one-pound burger? And they did the study, and it was published, uh, whether they used it or not, pro or con, I don't know. But Beyond Meat's a pretty wily company, so they went about six months ago, hired the exact same research unit, and said, just do the analysis for our pea protein-based burger, the Beyond Meat burger. And what it was published independently in a research you know, journal. It's 90% less water to make a plant-based burger. There's all kinds of other arguments about health, but... You know, um, I think technology will help solve some of the pressure on us, but deforestation and Amazon and, you know, you know, you've got wildfires going on all over California. That's a complex issue. It's certainly not only agriculture that's causing it. But um, anyways, there's that discussion. There are some biochemical uh, facts. I mean, we can talk about 
when uh, aging and mTOR and IGF-1. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty buddy-buddy, and some of your listeners will certainly identify Walter Longo, University of Southern California, yeah. aging expert, Keck Biogerontology Institute, I think it's called. Um, you know, that animal protein and sugar are the two biggest stimulants of uh, mTOR and IGF-1 pathways. Uh, sugar stimulates a different pathway called PK-RAS. And it may be wise to cycle that off and then cycle it back on. It may be a smart move, probably for all of us, to keep our sugar intake in our diet low, certainly added sugar. But is that animal protein venison off of Maui, or is it McDonald's with a Coca-Cola? I don't know the methionine and the leucine concentration on that venison versus on that, uh, you know, ribeye that you're buying at the local grocery store. I don't know. Um, There have been some studies I've seen presented that, you know, grass-fed beef and typical grocery store beef uh, amino acid content actually isn't all that different for even plant-based options that are mm. considered good protein sources like peas and beans and legumes, uh, uh, lentils and such. But at any rate, you know, there's some, and th- there's a very cool, number one, it, your listeners may know this, there's a new syndrome that's come up. It doesn't mean that we've identified meat as unhealthy, but there's a very serious red meat allergy. You're familiar with this? No. Oh, really? I, 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 this is all peer-reviewed science. There's a tick called the Lone Star Tick that was congregated mainly in Virginia. And if you were in the last couple of years uh, in a hospital in Charlottesville University and they drew a blood sample, they could identify that you've been bit by this Lone Star Tick and you developed an antibody in reaction to it. And there's a cross-reactivity to a carbohydrate in meat called alpha-gal. It's in the blood. Mm. Alpha-gal. And you're at risk for anaphylaxis next time you eat a burger after being bitten by this tick. 24% of an inpatient population in the University of Virginia identified the antibody in the blood. Now, not all 24% were getting a serious allergic reaction next time they ate red meat. But some people are having it. Some people are carrying EpiPens. That tick is now all the way to the Mississippi, Minnesota, and Maine. So it's extended just in the last couple of years. It's not in my state of Michigan. It's not in California yet. What the toll is going to be, is it going to be the nut allergy that we see now and nobody really remembers 40 years ago, kids with nut allergies or airplanes announcing, you know, this is a peanut-free ride. Yeah, that's crazy. Breathing in peanut air. It's crazy, (laughs) you know, that they're that sensitive. Is that because of excessive exposure to peanuts? Uh, or is you know, it because peanuts are just Zach Bush up? MD would say it's glyphosate, and you know it's we created a disaster in our you know gastroenterocytes and leaky gut, and it's crazy and how much nuts we can eat. It's crazy. I, there also, I'll just tell you, there's a new body of data. There is a, um, a, a glycoprotein in red meat called NU5GC, NEU5GC, that's in red meat, and it turns out. Humans are one of the very few mammals that doesn't have NU5GC in our muscle. We have NU5AC, but NU5AC has a different structure than NU5GC by a little bit. And it's a new theory that uh, came out this year, although a lot of this was known, but uh, advanced, that we do react with antibodies to NU5GC. It's inherent in meat. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's probably venison caught with a bow or bought at the grocery store or uh, grass-fed at some you know, uh, regenerative farm uh, site but that we may be creating antibodies that cross-react of all things with our arteries. And there's a new syndrome or a new uh, proposal that some of atherosclerosis is an immune reaction to meat. All this stuff needs to be worked out. But, you know, we clearly have more coronary disease now than we did 60 years ago. A zillion factors, smoking rates have gone down and 
all but um, and you know endocrine disrupting chemicals and the challenges we have in 2019. But uh, we may be responding poorly to some of the foods that are in the food chain that come from the animal world. Now I'm not wishing ill will on people. I don't want people to get a red meat allergy. It's not a time that we're celebrating in the vegan community. But it is damn weird when you read the science on it. I have a feeling a lot of these nutritional conversations are in large part, I mean, even just like health conversations rather, not so much nutritional. There's like a lot of minutia. Yeah. And the underlying factor with all of these things, like the Loma Lindas or, you know, the, the, the blue zones and all that stuff or, you know, any fill in the blank, hunter-gatherer tribes, um, I think community, I think uh, regular movement, I think having purpose, having like a reason to have some fucking joie de vivre in your life. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of people that are in like the orthorexic camp where they're having the perfect in quotations diet, but they're fucking dying inside. Yeah. I have, (laughs) even though I have pretty strict food rules, plants, I do just like you said, I, you know, you have to enjoy, have a lot of fun with things. I'll break some rules. I mentioned, uh, I think I said the word on film, um, that uh, there's, I think I'm I'm not bashing ketogenic diets. I know the science for epilepsy and uh, pretty much the science that exists for uh, human health, as published in the medical data. It's it's just kind of like the carnivore movement. People yeah. say they feel better, but where's the data? People say they feel better in bone broth. Sure. Where's the data? Do we have to have data? You know, a lot of us would like to see some data that matches the. Uh, the N of one kind of response. But then there's, there's a like, lot of N of like, ones. There's like, but, do you need data to know sex feels good? Right, 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 right. Exactly. <laughs> like, getting, show me the study. Like, well, right. No, I was really smiley for the next but two so days. There is an interesting <laughs> progression right now to evaluating getting ketotic with plants only. And it's easy to do. It's, you know, giant plates. Then I'm doing it right now. I'm, uh, I'm in ketosis. I've checked myself. I've uh, been that way for about 10 days. I'm not going to stay that way for 10 months. I'll cycle off in a couple more days. But, you know, big plates of arugula and walnuts and avocados and hemp hearts and flax seeds, some Evo, good organic extra virgin olive oil. Um, there's these cool beans. You know about lupini beans? Mm-mm. You don't know about lupini You're teaching me, there's man. Two beans. Doctor. There's two beans that don't break your ketosis. One are black soybeans, and you can buy organic black soybeans and BPA-free cans made in the state of Michigan. And they're delicious, and they they their their net carb is so incredibly low because they're very high fiber, and they're these little beans you buy in packets called lupini beans. Seth, same thing. They're much higher in fiber than even your average bean, your kidney bean, your chechi bean, um, and the net carb intake is so low. You can throw some on salads and get you know delicious flavor, and they're available now. So, anyways, it, it works real well to do plant based keto from a uh, satiety and uh, enjoyment state. There's zero medical science on what it does to your lipid panel, what it does to your, you know, cardiometabolic diabetic profile. I wouldn't advise it for somebody with serious advanced heart disease, which isn't really the target of your listenership. But people, um, you know, do use nutrition to try and halt and reverse heart disease. And we wish we had more data. We got Dr. Hasselstyn, we got Dr. Ornish, we got some other, you know, the Pritikin Center, and not much else. So, I mean, I kind of honor those people because they've got some data on the most serious, you know, risk to our health in the United States, cardiovascular disease, and there isn't any other data, so we better stick with what we got. So I wouldn't advise a person trying to avoid bypass surgery to go do plant-based keto. I mean, maybe in the next 10, 20 years, we'll get some new data, five years. Yeah. Uh, but it is, you know, as you say, you got to enjoy, you got to experiment a little. Um, but stay true to yourself. So in the end, I'm not adding animal products back in my diet that comes 
too long and too entrenched. Uh, yeah. If I well, at this point, was, your biome would probably yeah, if wig I was out. sick. I mean, and I say this, I, you know, if I was sick, I, you'd have to consider what you got to consider. If you're trapped on an island, you consider what you got to consider. But, um, uh, you know, it, it, I think the biggest thing is people pick clean over processed, uh, homemade over restaurant made as often as they can. Yeah. You know, and uh, high fiber, uh, you know, as much as you can. We'll wrap up here in a minute. Okay. Uh, um, the, I'm, I'm, I'd like to talk about plaque and what that is exactly and yep. particularly the a conversation that i think is pretty vacant is the the effect that one's movement and mechanics has on plaque buildups yeah um do you think it's a purely nutritional conversation or is plaque also potentially like a callousing around certain parts where say you are sitting hunched over a desk for nine and a half hours a day yeah so we're you know plaque Everybody understands the uh, abnormal accumulation of a complex of calcium and crystals and collagen and fibrous and cholesterol and uh, oxidized LDL cholesterol and oxidized phospholipids, all these fancy terms. It's a whole mass. Uh, it's often, I tell people, it's like what you find when you're mixing cement. You know, it's a whole big mass that makes up cement. Same mm-hmm. Same as atherosclerotic plaque. Uh, and it's a problem. It's a problem to your sexual organs. It's a problem to your brain. It's a problem to your heart for sure. Uh, most people probably put the sexual organs as first on the list. Um, I don't know. It, it, most people would probably say it's the indirect benefits of activity that lower your risk of plaque or the indirect consequences of low activity that increase your risk of plaque. That being fitness tends to lower your blood pressure over the hours after you're done exercising, tends to lower your cholesterol, tends to shift you know, your particles to... Uh, to more, to less atherogenic cholesterol particles lowers your blood sugar and uh, and improves your so insulin. So you you won't th- see sensitivity. like value in moving the hose. You know, if there was like a is, is there value in the elasticity of your tissue from a mechanical perspective, or do you think it's purely just the stuff that goes into your face? Yeah, not known. You know, as some of the listeners will know there's three major heart arteries. The one that gets plaque more than any is the left anterior descending <clears throat> widowmaker. And there is something called biomechanical acceleration of plaque that just literally the first thing when the heart ejects blood that it hits is the widowmaker artery before it hits the others. Hmm. And that may be why. Now, there's no reason to believe exercise um, helps or hurts that. Um, But I don't think so. I don't think I'm trying to think of any situation. I mean, where from the yoga world where specifically... You're stretching. If you talk about heart arteries, you really, they're internal. They're, well, not you know, so much a heart. What yeah. about like hips and glenal yeah. and, and parts um, that are, are more? Well, clearly, you know, you, yes, you can you can clearly benefit um, those organs, those joints by motion and movement. There is a little data that your aorta in your belly can benefit from specific you know, crunches or yoga poses. Because that's a big blood vessel that will respond to your fitness and your specific movements. Yeah. <clears throat> There's actually data that um, you can use a measure, sit on the floor, how far can you reach to touch your toes, which you can probably reach to three other people's toes. <laughs> but the average person is really struggling with that. Yeah. That's a measure of actually, in part, the flexibility of your aorta. You know, It's one of the things, your spine is probably another, that's going to keep you from reaching your toes or 
being able to reach them. But that measure is actually predictive of advanced heart disease because it may be calcification and aging of your artery. Yeah. Uh, so that's actually a cool little thing I hadn't talked about for a while. But short of that, um, you know, uh, I think it's mainly indirect benefits of all kinds of motion and fitness. And sedentary, you know, lives are... Why, why, you know, we do know that, like, insulin sensitivity changes within a short time from sitting. Um, yep. and, and, you know, so, you know, just natural movement of the blue zones combined with some aggressive fitness is a great combination. Yeah, the blue zones are taking lots of walks. They're getting down on the ground. They have yeah, a garden. Gardening, There's a dancing. huge part. That's the, one of the chapters in my book. Uh, one of the whole chapters is about spending time on the ground, and that's something right. you'll see ubiquitously throughout any culture that doesn't experience osteoarthritis, right. their hips and knees and, you know, all these issues that right. are so common in Western culture and we're, you know, we're chair-bound for most of our, our days and lives ever right. since we're in a freaking stroller. Um, you know, so just the simple act of getting all the way down to the ground to pick up some basil and then getting all the way back up. Yeah, and back uh, up the hill with and a then, basket of basil is, you know, uh, as much benefit as perhaps an hour on the elliptical that most people are yeah, doing. Yeah, exercise is strange, man. I trip out when I see people just pumping weights and doing this stuff, and I just think of how much wasted energy that is where you could have been... I don't know, helping another person build something or mm. build your own house. Mm -hmm. Or like, I think human beings innately, uh, our biology wants to build and it wants to go out and it wants to, it, you know, it, it wants to exert. Uh, but it, the, the reason for that is that we can actually build something meaningful. And I think that now it's become like conflated with like having meaningful abs. It's confusing. Yeah, you, know, it's, uh, <laughs> you, know, you touched on something that we want to go out there and build and all. Well, we usually do those things in groups. And the power yeah. of community, and this gets back to a bit spiritual too, is, you know, again, not recognized as much as it should be. Um, there's some really cool data from Copenhagen. They've been studying people. It's called the Copenhagen Heart Study. It's like 25,000 people. They've been following for 20 years. And <clears throat> they published last year. Do you have an exercise practice? What's your exercise practice? You're healthy now. Let's look at you in 20 years. And as in every other study, fit, fitness protocols were associated with less risk of heart disease, early death, stroke, uh, and such. But those that answered that they did group fitness, yeah. and of all the things, tennis and batman was like phenomenally more life extending and disease preventing than running solo on trails by yourself. And the theory all was that there is something very powerful to your Moya. That's the term from the blue zones, the Okinawan, that they always have a little group of four or five people that know where they're at and know what they're doing and know to call. Uh, and, and the you, Moya. And you, a Moya. I yeah, never that heard goes that. With the Ikagi. Ikagi is, is that Japanese stuff or something? Yeah, that's Japanese stuff. Oh, Ikigai. 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 Yeah, I got that in my book. That's right. the last That's the but last. But a Moya paragraph. is a small group of, you know, of community. It doesn't have to be a massive group. But um, I call it your cabinet. Even exercising in a Moya or a cabinet. Yeah, who's um, in your cabinet? Apparently, at least based on one usually considered a pretty good study, uh, has a power to it. So... Um, you know, get some people around you, you know, it's better, I'm sure it's better to do solo exercise than none, but uh, uh, beyond that, uh, get, a, get a community exercise going and put up a barn as a community. I mean, that'd be kind of thing I was thinking when you mentioned Yeah, man. We like to build. High fives, butt slaps. Yep. Throw Absolutely. a thumb in somebody's butt every now and again. Yeah, the best. <laughs> it's so funny you say that. That's my favorite thing to do to people. All right. It might be time to leave the song because <laughs> some big dude just walked into your house, and I don't know if I'm getting out without that ritual. 
Well, you know, gay bottoms, they have less incidence of prostate cancer. And it's, it's like, essentially, we've, we've accepted that just men get prostate cancer at some point in their lives. And I'm like, yeah, well, hold on, what? Fight it, fight it. Eat your, toma- do eat your tomatoes and ejaculate. There's some fascinating data, I don't know if you know this, that uh, if you ejaculate 21 times a month or more, your risk of prostate cancer drops by 50%. That's an association study, but everybody loves that one, so we're not giving that one up. Yeah, right. Yeah, Hang on to that one. There's a number. All right. Let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. Okay. How do people find you? <laughs> Where do people go from here? What's yeah, the best direction? Yeah. Well, just follow the thumb up my ass. Uh, DrJoelKahn.com. D-R-J-O-E-L-K-A-H-N. The central website takes you to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Yeah. I've got five books out. i got a book coming out pretty soon on a cholesterol cardiology topic called uh, the lipoproteinase solution all right but uh no this is great and uh you know i i say it again you're helping people i'm trying hard to help people the differences really are, are minimal compared to the commonality of yeah, what we're both doing and I see just as much as there oftentimes is like the the militant dogmatic vegan is something yeah. that's like a common, you know, those terms are, are oftentimes thrown together. Yeah. I think it's the same thing with people that eat, eat meat. It's just, you know, it's just because the vegans and the vegetarians are more of a minority, it makes more sense that they would have more reason to be defensive and walk yeah. into the room already ready to defend, even if no one really actually cares. Right. Um, you know, but I think at the same time, I've, I notice myself being like, no, like we've eating meat forever you know and, and having the similar things of like for some reason deep down giving a shit about somebody else's diet in the end it's right. like dude as long as we're all helping each other and smiling and yeah well i think generally down. true i mean you know that usually comes from the animal rights activist wing of veganism which is hard to understand for probably the general public i can tell you from knowing a lot of them their intentions are good and their techniques are often sucky and offensive in terms of how it appears to the general public but you know it's coming out of love and kindness for animals but we yeah probably should have a little for humans too yeah all right wrap it up thanks so much for doing this man i really appreciate our Thank time you. together man this is good all right over now thanks for listening Thank you so much for tuning in to that fantastic conversation with Dr. Joel Kahn. Uh, hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I uh, wanted to thank you guys again for subscribing to this. Thank you for sharing it with your friends. And um, thank you for those of you who have started the online program, the Align Method online program. If you have issues with uh, rolled forward shoulders, rolled forward spine, forward head posture, general sensation of stiffness or tension in your body, even brain fog, uh, feeling just fogginess in your your energy levels, uh, this program is for you. It breaks down the fundamentals of lifestyle, self-care, and movement to integrate into your daily life so that every moment becomes an opportunity to cultivate your mind body and movement uh it is essentially the addendum to the align method book and, or the digital instructional version of the align method book so i hope you guys love that it's a seven day free trial you can start that at alignpodcast.com slash align method alig method or you can look in the bio at the align podcast page um, if you enjoyed this conversation, you will also enjoy perhaps the conversation with Dr. Gundry uh, or Dr. Will Cole would be ones you can check out from here. So we will include those links in the uh, podcast show notes at alignpodcast.com. And that's it. That's all. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And I look forward to speaking with you this coming Thursday on a solo cast. All right. Enjoy the rest of your week.